Welcome to Guy Aitchison's Reinventing the Tattoo Community, where tattooers, apprentices, collectors, and the curious are all encouraged to join live streams, real-world events, to share with each other, to inspire each other, and ultimately to create better tattoos and art together. Uh, we beam out nearly every single day from the Reinventing the Tattoo community, and with your help have truly evolved into a quality network of amazing live and on-demand tattoo and art shows that have all been receiving rave reviews. You are currently watching the Reinventing the Tattoo podcast, and this is Tattoo Apprenticeships in the Digital Age with Amy Nichols and Kirsten. Uh, this is part one of a two-parter that they did as a as an apprentice event. It was pretty awesome, and uh, you are going to really enjoy this, whether you are an apprentice, an apprentice uh, hopeful, or a mentor, or even just a, a tattooer. It's pretty awesome. You may be beaming in from YouTube or the Facebook or listening to the podcast. Actually, I know you're listening to the podcast because I'm recording this separately. You could always get the latest event schedule and push notifications if you want to from the official Reinventing the Tattoo community. This can be found in both of the app stores. Pick your poison, either the Apple store or the Google Play store. Uh, or you can go directly to community.reinventingthetattoo.com. All Reinventing the Tattoo Network shows, the art jams, drawing groups, interviews, panels, webinars. Oh man, seriously, uh, all of these shows can be enjoyed on demand and found in the library of the community as well as the YouTube and podcast channels. There are countless tattoo and art rabbit holes to run down, uh, really perfect for the front room of your tattoo studio or to entertain your squirmy tattoo clients. In fact, we are beaming out four channels of tattoo inspiration 24 seven. At the same place, you could enter to win a goodie bag with Cheyenne needles and raw pigments, if you're a tattoo artist, that is. Uh, so head to 24, so head to reinventing247.com. Right now, we have a world tattoo update with India, uh, hosted by Lokesh playing. There's a reinventing drawing group with Jake Meeks from the Fireside Tattoo Network uh, from one of his Monday morning episodes. It's a replay playing, and they're always entertaining and awesome. We've got Tattoo Collecting Podcast number 27 with Mindy Robertson. And in the Spanish channel, we've got Hablamos de Arte with Bruno, or Con Bruno. Uh, so, point being is, if you go to reinventing247.com, you can check out amazing replays anytime. And if you scroll down past our sponsors, who you'll want to check out, of course, there is a form there, and you enter in your information, and we will send you a goodie bag with some awesome, amazing samples. Weekly shows on the Reinventing the Tattoo Network include Sundays, 1 p.m. Eastern with Jason Leeser, we have Sundays at 9 o'clock at night, the weekly tattoo. We've got Mondays, 9 a.m., with Jake Meeks of the Fireside Tattoo Network is leading another reinventing drawing group. Mondays at 9 o'clock Eastern, we've got a subscribers exercise exclusive with Guy Aitchison. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. in the morning, we've got an exercise with Ricardo. Wednesdays, 12 noon, the Tattoo Now show. Thursdays, 12 noon, the Tattoo Collecting Podcast. Thursdays, 7 p.m., uh, subscribers exercises with Kire, uh, designed for artists of all skill levels, including the apprentices. Special upcoming events include a lettering session with Damon Tesh, Monday, July 5th at 7 p.m. Ancient American Art with Professor Malin 
uh, at 2 o'clock Eastern on July 6th. And uh, tattooer El Chimu will also be joining us for that. He's got the, he does tattoos in that style. It's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, Wednesday, July 7th at 12 noon, uh, Veronica O'Neill will be presenting Reinventing My Life Through Tattooing. She is an awesome uh, cosmetic tattooer. We're very excited to talk to Veronica. She'll be joining us in the Brussels Tattoo Convention with a, a seminar. Other ways that you could support the show, we have uh, upcoming professional development and on-demand professional development. Uh, let's see, courses dot reinventing the tattoo.com you'll see the the real the reinventing the tattoo canon which is the heart and soul of the reinventing the tattoo community of course we thank our sponsors and all of the people that subscribe to all the free content the paying members or the paying subscribers yeah they keep it all really rolling for real so uh courses dot reinventing the tattoo.com check out the canon it is not only what used to be the three ring binder and then the book and the DVDs and then the online version, it is now like a really easy to use online course on brand new uh, educational platform with Monday exercises, Thursday exercises. So the content just keeps growing. It's pretty amazing. And you can get your exercises critiqued by Guy Hageson. There's also the Reinventing the Tattoo Business course. Andre Malcolm has an amazing uh, Koi design class. BJ Betts is a three-hour lettering course. Bob Tyrell, 11-hour uh, portrait tattoo class. It's pretty amazing. Courses.reinventingthetattoo.com. And I am going to hammer through our real-world events that were coming up and some of our sponsors. But don't worry. Once we get rolling with this, we do run it ad-free. So let's see. Real-world events we will be either setting up or going to. October 3rd to the 6th, 2021 is the Paradise BYOB. We will be webcasting all of these shows live. We will be producing seminars and webinars. If you don't want to, uh, to travel or can't get there, uh, don't worry. We'll be able to beam out to you. Everything will be like a la carte, so you don't have to worry about spending a good bazillion dollars. October 3rd to the 6th, Paradise BYOB. It is actually a Sunday to Wednesday because tattooers... So that's when uh, their days were off, or their days off were. November 12th to the 14th is the Brussels Tattoo Convention. Nick Baxter, Ivana, and I will be doing seminars. We will be beaming in and out on Art Jam. We'll be having an exclusive subscriber meetup so our, all of our European friends can come on out. And um, yes, that'll be fun. So November 12th to the 14th, the Brussels Tattoo Convention. Then next year, May 20th to the 22nd, 2022 is Hell City, Columbus. See, July 8th to the 10th, 2022 is the Rock River Tattoo Art Expo in Rockford, Illinois. There'll be a full reinventing the tattoo track, uh, about 100 tattooers. It's an amazing venue right there on the river. Cliff Breakers is the name of the venue, and it is right there on the cliffs. It's right over the river. It's awesome. Uh, let's see, July 29th to the 31st, 2022 is the Rubber City Tattoo Invitational in Akron, Ohio with Tony Urbanic. And then the last on this list we have right now is October 20th to the 23rd is the Paradise Tattoo Gathering is going to be returning to Jiminy Peak in its full force. That is a Thursday to a Sunday show, and we are very excited to bring that back. Of course, we want to thank our sponsors who help keep this content free for you. Inkjetstencils.com. If you are prepping your tattoo uh, uh, stencils on an iPad or a computer, you can print them straight to your Epson eco-friendly refillable tank. Inkjetstencils.com sells the inks and the paper. They will... It's pretty awesome. Yeah, you could also get a, the oversized printers and print out like back pieces and sleeves. Uh, uh, Andre Malcolm has a whole bunch of them. So if you check out uh, Andre Malcolm's 
uh, Instagrams or his spot on the reinvented community, you'll see he's got full videos of, like I said, back pieces getting printed out in one session. We have rawpigments.co, an ink company that's tapping straight into the source of the pigments. They are acrylic free, so they do not dry up in the cup. You can yeah check out more about them at rawpigments.co or get the uh, the free samples from reinventing247.com. Let's see, we've got DLize Pro, known as Germalize Worldwide. They want you to protect your art. If you are still wrapping up your tattoos with saran wrap, it is not breathable. Um, you should definitely give uh, DLize Pro uh, a shot. Um, you can check out the videos of lots of amazing tattooers using it, and you definitely want to take the instructions because um, the, this uh, Dermalize is actually designed to breathe and to heal tattoos, but you want to use it as instructed. So check out those videos to see what it's all about. Let's see, TattooNow.com. We do technologies for tattooers. It's actually uh, what I've been doing for the last, uh, let's see, 25 years, since the mid-90s. And now that reinventing's technology is getting pretty caught up, I am helping out. We have over 100 tattoo websites, so I'm getting them all back up to speed. And we do have time for new clients. So if you're interested in any search engine optimization, any client relationship management, or in short, using computers to help your business, uh, tattoonow.com, shoot us an email. And of course, the person who makes the Reinventing the Tattoo community happen, the founder, uh, Guy Aitchison, guyaitchison.com. You want to check out all of his products that he's pretty much making himself. He's got the Biomech Encyclopedia. It took him like eight years to make. It's two volumes. It's massive. Uh, he's got uh, a bunch of DVDs. He's got amazing tattoo machines and original paintings, prints. Check it out, guyaitchison.com. And, whew, okay. Thank you for checking out the Reinventing the Tattoo podcast. Without any further ado, this is Tattoo Apprenticeships in the Digital Age, part one of two. Welcome to Apprenticeship and the Digital Age, everyone. Wow, we're here. We've been culminating to this moment. So I'm just going to even admit, we've got like a monitor down here and we got a webcam out here. So if I start looking at myself, I apologize because I'm, <laughs> I know I'm very self-conscious. I'm, I'm, I'm really practicing this because the monitor is different. So just so everyone knows, like. We're all on an apprenticeship journey of some kind. When, so. Do you ever stop being an apprentice? Really? No, no. Like that's the thing. Being a good mentor and a good mentee is a constant thing of, you know, you just got to know where you're at and when you need to stop and re-examine. But we're really excited here today. Yes. We went over a lot of things. Um, a lot of it was just in the last, like, um, we're going to admit, like, 10 minutes. We did setup. All the stuff's new to us, technology. So everybody knows, if you ever listen to my podcast, you will understand that I am going through an apprenticeship journey of my own with technology. So that was kind of my lead into the digital age was, it's begrudging, to say the least. I, uh, I definitely don't have a handle on a lot of these things. And the reason why I wanted to do a podcast was to confront technology and from different angles, because I realized there's a great power in understanding those things. And I wanted to be less salty about it because I really like getting dirty. I really like putting my hands in charcoal and mediums. And I think that's just as important as a foundation is probably critical as a foundation. That's a lot of what Kier has to say to us today. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... I mean, I think it'd be it'd nice to introduce ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> That's right. 
right. go, go for it. So I am, uh, <laughs> I'm Kirsten Franklin, uh, first year tattooer based out of Western Massachusetts. And uh, I'm here to talk to you about how it was being an apprentice in the digital age and how different it is. And this is Amy, right? Yep. Amy Nichols. I am a 12 year tattoo artist. I still consider myself very much so a baby in terms of the people I know, but I'm kind of like our segue between, I'd feel like the old head kind of, and I hate to say it that way, but like, you know, the old school generation of tattooing and then what brought us into the digital age. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you just bought, yeah. you, you just been through the ringer. That's all. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I have a podcast called the apprenticeship Diaries. So if you don't know about it, it's cool. It's, it's basically, it's not just tattoo focus. It's entrepreneurial, um, fresh start beginning kind of storytelling. Um, I, I frame it around interviews, but they're really just chats that go rogue. And it's all about where you came from, how you started best tips, just things like that, that different professions of all kinds, all walks of life go through. And I feel like there's a lot of correlations between that feeling uh, for everybody. Like when you're daring to do something new and you're taking that leap and you're just blind passion alone. So I really love that hunger and that heat phase of like life. And it's scary. It's risky. It's all of those things. And that was something that I realized that I really had great passion for, especially being not senior, but more senior in my journey is that I really care about experience. Well, and, and, and newbies, I have a passion for newbies and that anxiety that I found with my first apprentice apprentice that I took on was that I just realized that there was this different kind of atmosphere with the technology. And that's why we wanted to talk to you guys today is that the things that confronted me as problematic during my apprenticeship, not problematic, but different. They were, it was just different. And I thought that I was removing a lot of things from her experience that I felt were not necessary or whatever. And in retrospect, I learned a lot about maybe what was or wasn't necessary as a result of that. Um, and it was educational. Like we started with, like you never stop being an apprentice to something, yeah, right? So absolutely. that was my first teaching kind of, thing. not my first, but it was my first in tattooing, teaching somebody something to where I felt like I had come to a place of being able to teach. Yeah, absolutely. And it's definitely, that's why we started this. I mean, I mean, I came up with this idea like what, three, four months ago and I was, uh, influenced to go speak to you specifically because you had this podcast and we kind of chatted about it made a whole episode about it about <laughs> how we wanted to do this and how it was a, a great idea and then we even had a poster contest and actually had entries which yeah. blew my mind <laughs> <laughs> and you had to keep telling me like it's gonna people will enter don't worry they will enter so don't worry about that and they did and yeah. um, we had our wonderful winner angie she did a great job. Um, she, we talked to her a little bit. She's going to be an excellent artist in whatever she does, whether it's tattooing or not. Either way, we really do appreciate you, Andrew, for uh, doing this poster. It's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, and not only that, but just so everybody knows, we only had a concept of how to do any of that. So what we put on was a learning experience within that even, because I know it's been done. I know that you, like, I've met a lot of people, event organizers that they'll do things like that. And just so everybody knows, like, I think part of the problem in getting things started is feeling like you have to do it all yourself. 
but that's not true. Although the point is when you're doing an event is that you want to bring people into your vision. And that's what a big thing that I kind of believe in is talking a lot about what you want to do. Even if you're not ready to do it yet, the thing of it is, is that when you catch people to your vision, even though you're scared, even though you don't know the full path, what path, what will happen is, is the universe will kind of open up to you. I don't know how else to say it. It's very woo woo. Yeah, that's no, that's exactly it's true. How it works. <laughs> <laughs> and the dots will be connected. And for Kira and I, it really started with reinventing um, because we Absolutely. both got on their app. And we started doing, we have a scription, we, we do the, the, you know, she does them more than me. I'm going to even admit it. Like I, you know, with the podcast, I'm still trying to find my rhythm between everything, but Kira's so good about like doing all the work, all of the exercises, um, the critiques, but we met there and it was during one of Jake Meek's, um, uh, morning classes that he does where he does a draw jam session where we just get together to draw, hang out, just a repetitive thing to reinvest in the fundamentals and just drawing, just like, you know, flexing muscles. It's the same as working out every day. Um, and that's something that, you know, when you're going into tattooing specifically, and honestly, any kind of art profession, you got to love to draw. Like, and you got to draw a lot. And if you're not prepared to draw a lot, um, that might be the first thing you want to do. So I can't stress more getting on the reinventing the tattoo app and, and maybe getting a, a subscription. If you're really dedicated, I think you definitely should. I think it's good for any artist, whether you want to do tattooing or not, because it's all fundamental and it all goes about back to those foundational art tools. Yeah. And it's habitual. You have these artists that are available to you that are willing to submit regularly their time to your habits. And that's the thing is that we're all kind of learning together. I'm sure not all of them are really amazing with the technology. They're trying to figure it out too, but it's about keeping current. It's yeah, about it's consistency. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So, so uh, we're definitely here to talk about apprenticeships and how they've changed over the years. Um, so it's probably best to start our timeline Yes. Um, so Amy, it's probably best to start with yours. Uh, how long ago was your first apprentice? My first apprenticeship was in 2004 and it was in Kentucky. It was at a, uh, for lack of a better word, like your classic kind of biker shop. Like there was no portfolios. We, we did flash and it was like the day of Cherry Creek, Creek flash, um, lots of tribal, lots of praying hands with like only God can judge me. Um, Rosary beads. Yeah. Yeah. Lots. Like I can't tell you how many praying hands I've done. I'm pretty sure there's not that many um, uh, people warranting those that many tattoos to be honest. I don't think I'm worthy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, there's lots of judgment here. Um, but anyway, I, I started there. Um, my, I was telling you earlier before we started, my first mentor didn't know how to use certain things. Like I was limited per the knowledge I got from him, from what he knew. So he was not an artist. He, he could draw a little, but he was not, he didn't come from a, an art background. Like I did. I've been formula, formally trained in art since I was like a young kid. My parents put me in art my whole life. And really when I went to tattooing, it wasn't with a want to tattoo, I didn't care about tattooing. I really didn't. Um, I, I cared about doing my art for a living. 
I wanted to make my passion into something that I could do and love and grow within my entire life. What I liked about tattooing as a, a view was that you could travel with it and it was very nomadic and yeah. that I liked. Yeah. Um, but in this shop, it was, it was my first. And I think I got scooped up right away because I was an artist first and I could draw and they just saw like, Oh, this girl is like incredible. Um, as far as art and what she could bring to our shop. So that got me my first foot in the door. And like I said, he was, he was limited. He didn't even use mags. He yeah. used round did you, shaders. Did you show up with the portfolio or did you kind of just show up? and were just I, did. Like, I want this. <laughs> I did. I showed up with a portfolio. I did say, I want this. And I, I said that beyond asking certain questions I should have. Um, so of course, within any business, there's a tax structure, there's things like that. So the reason why that ended at the end was because as it always ends with me, I, I'm very fervent about knowing how businesses run. And I always tell people how to run their business and that's kind of why it ends. And I think that's why I'm finding myself having a private studio now of my own is because it's finally time for me to step up to that kind of plate. But, um, that was where we broke apart. I didn't ask certain questions that would have taken care of me financially in a lot of ways. And once I had kind of graduated, so to speak, into a realm of just being a tattoo artist, I had conflicts about that. I knew my value. I knew the value I was bringing to his place and I wasn't satisfied with what he was willing to give me at the end. And of course it's emotional. Everybody gets involved. And, um, and I left and I didn't go back to tattooing for like another five years after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and how old were you when you had your first? When I had my first, I was 24. Mm-hmm. And then when I came back, I was 29. Um, so I was late. I was late in the game. Um, I did a lot of jobs before that. I am a licensed master barber. I was actually um, my second apprenticeship in tattooing. I was a master barber at that time. That was my second apprenticeship in barbering too, that I graduated from in that five-year span, got to a point where I could educate. And then I was actually apprenticing somebody, mentoring somebody in hair while I was doing my apprenticeship in tattooing. So it was, it was 80 80 hour weeks for like three years. Um, And that was my first three years back into tattooing and everything like that, uh, because I want to transition. I had a whole clientele in hair. So I had to walk away from that gradually. And I wanted to replace myself, but my second apprenticeship was much different. There was a huge emphasis on portfolio on art. It was kind of a Renaissance. I think of what we could do with tattooing technology was birthing. It was really cool. Um, but I, I, I will say I wasn't as, um, at least overtly coveted for my art skills. Yeah. I think that that's where I needed to gain humility or at the very least, that's what was done to me in my second apprenticeship. And and for those who don't know what humility is, (laughs) how would you describe humility? Humility. Um, uh, Respect. Hmm. I believe it's a respect for many different vantage points and really making sure that you keep your perspective diversified enough to have appreciation for the kind of care and consideration that somebody is bestowing upon you. When you get, when you get any kind of education, 
any kind, even if it's an asshole that's giving you that education, know that they care enough to give you something. Um, you can walk away from that. It's definitely within your capacity to choose for yourself that that's not cool for you, but don't walk away. I think it's a good idea not to walk away blaming one person because mm-hmm. it's dynamic, right? Like it's two mm-hmm. entities that play. And if you were to blame somebody else, you have to look at yourself as well. Exactly. And to. there's no growth. If you do that, if you yes. just fully put everything off on somebody else, For me, that's a very victim place to play. And there's just no growth from that. And you're also, in my experience, destined to repeat that kind of behavior. Um, So, you know, in the effort not to be crazy and keep doing the same thing, expecting different results, you got to analyze what happened. And I feel like um, hit it from a different angle. So I don't know if that's, that's definitely not the dictionary definition of humility, but that's that's what I've come to realize it means. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I mean, so if then, you know, yours was in, what, 2007, you said? It was 2005, 2005. my first one. And yeah. like I said, I didn't have a portfolio. So when I came back to Maryland, because I did, I exited a relationship that was whole wrapped up in the whole like first tattoo apprenticeship thing an education thing I was learning how to be like a person with another person I'm you know I'm still learning relationship dynamics to be honest um but I left that relationship I headed back to Maryland and but I didn't have a portfolio so I really didn't feel like I had learned a tattoo and I also knew that my my teacher didn't know everything as well so I kind of had like a half experience. And I will say that I think that he withheld a lot of information or he took over a lot of things. I don't know if he withheld. I think he took over a lot of aspects of the business that he wasn't willing to give control over to anyone else at that point, probably just because he wanted his business to run a certain way Yeah, to just give him the benefit of the doubt. Because like I said, humility, I'm very opinionated. I'm very open and candid about that opinion. I don't mean to be that aggressive with it. And it does come a place from caring, but I tend to hurt feelings very easily. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what I've had to learn both in podcasting and just, just communicating with people. That's part of my problem with relating with people is my emotional intelligence is probably not what it should be. Well, it's like, it's, (laughs) it's tough to say, but like this industry as a whole, I've learned in my very small time here is we're very blatant as far as like what is and isn't happening like i would watch you know just to be that person when you watch on tv like pottery shows that are just like you know competitions on pottery like they're so the judges are like oh my gosh that's the most beautiful pot i've ever seen in my life and then you switch over to like ink master and the judges are like you expect me to judge this you know, look at all these blown out lines you just did. And they're talking to a level 10 tat wizard yeah. and just like completely reaming them out. But that's just, that's how it is. And you have to have a certain amount of strength within yourself emotionally to be able to handle an apprenticeship, because not only are you, you know, having a mentor that is teaching you like what to do, what not to do, but at the same time, you have to deal with yourself the majority of the time. And being confident within yourself as well. Um, but my apprenticeship was in 2017 and, uh, I actually showed Amy the shop that we, uh, it started at, which is right down the street from my house. Um, 
And so I started there in 2017. I heard about the apprenticeship from a friend who was the piercing apprentice there. She is like, hey, man, they're looking for a tattoo apprentice. Like, you got to get in here like now. So I didn't have a car at the time. Uh, so I literally. Just a question. What, what made you want to be a tattoo artist? Like, in that um, respect because I, I just said I didn't want to be one I just want to do my art but yeah I knew curious. I knew I wanted to be an artist of some sort so cool. like the last few years of my high school you know time I was definitely delving into arts of some sort like I was thinking about like video animation I was thinking about like nature photography I was thinking about like um video games animation because I really like making characters and different characters and dress them up and whatnot um I was thinking about doing printmaking um like just anything um but what I what I knew I didn't want was a nine to five I knew I didn't want a nine to five and I knew that I wanted to make my own schedule and I knew that I wanted to travel the world so I know that the 95% of the things that I just mentioned, besides tattooing, take up, you know, 60-hour work weeks, 80-hour work weeks of just sitting in front of, you know, a Wacom tablet and doing whatever. So I kind of figured that that wasn't for me. So tattooing became it because I knew that I could pick up anytime I wanted, pack my things and move somewhere else and find something like another position that would do me justice, you know, even yeah. moving to a different country. But you have to have, you know, a certain skill level, obviously, to do that, which is perfectly fine. Um, so tattooing was definitely the thing. Um, and so when she told me about that, I basically took whatever art that I found around me and paintings that I did and like took crappy photos of them and printed them out at CVS oh, and cool. then took the bus all the way over to the shop and walked in and was like, hi, this is what I want to do. So, um, so you did a formal portfolio. See, I took the actual artwork oh, yeah, in a like, portfolio case. And I was like, oh, I was yeah. nervous taking like, you know, like a two foot tall canvas out of the bus. So, um, so I did that and they, um, gave me the apprenticeship. Um, but unfortunately the gentleman that was initially apprenticing me just wasn't at the shop that often. He would be there one day, not there the next. Like he would just throw me books and be like, do this. Or... He made his own schedule. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And then Sorry, um, he had me, you know, cleaning tubes, cleaning other people's stations, but he had a big problem with me talking to the other artists that were there as far as learning, but he himself was not, you know, he was absent. So um, uh, one of the artists that got hired there uh, became my mentor because he kind of recognized what was happening and um, the mistreatment of it. And he was like, all right, I mean, I don't want an apprentice, but I feel bad. So I, you know, I'll, I'll show you stuff if you're willing to put in effort. And at the time, I really didn't know how to draw anything, like nothing. Like I, he would like watch me draw and it was just atrocious. And he was like, well, before you even start tattooing, you don't even know how to draw yet. So let's do that first. So thankfully, he taught me how to draw while at the same time teaching me how to make tattooable images and um, the bare fundamentals of, you know, sanitation and biohazard materials and breakup setup, all that fun stuff. Um, so then we left that shop, went to a different shop, where's the shop that I'm at now. And my, apprentice, my apprenticeship lasted about three years. Um, and then here we are. And um, I also, before I keep forgetting, 
I also want to note that all the questions that you guys have. Yeah, they're on the side. I'm just we checking them out. We will answer yeah. them. At- <laughs> yeah, we, we just wanted to give you an introduction, but, you know, kind of tell you why you're listening to us. Yeah, but we, I see them, I promise. You know? <laughs> and, and to put that in perspective, too, I want everybody to know, like we started with, we're always learning. I don't claim to be an expert. Oh, I, no, I just want people to know that I'm a mutual person on a journey that has a lot of passion. Here's the same. I recognize that in her right away, this kind of heat, this kind of overcaring personality that can be problematic in a lot of ways, but it, I think it's the reason why we are the artists that we are yeah. and, and why we love doing it on people too. Well, I mean, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think a huge thing with your apprenticeship too, no matter what, because I've said it a whole bunch of times, the amount of times that we've been marketing this event, that every single apprenticeship is different. Like my apprenticeship is different. Amy's apprenticeship is different from the person down the street's apprenticeship. Even though we're all tattooers, it's all going to be different. So asking one tattooer how to get an apprenticeship is just, you're going to get a vast answer. Because, you know, for me in Massachusetts, there's a lot of laws and regulations and certificates that you have to get in order to become a, a tattoo artist, where if I went to the next state over, you don't need anything. Yeah, just, Maryland, there's nothing. You just go there, you just show up. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> no matter what, it's you should be looking at yourself as, you know, as an artist. And that's what we're really going to try and showcase through this whole thing is that. Yeah, it's, it's, we're going to tell you how to kind of prepare for one and where to look for one. But at the same time, it's going to be majority of you have to look at yourself as an artist. Are you ready as an artist to take on this step? Because, you know, you, the, the thing that I see that I hate seeing is that people will, you know, it's, and I'm speaking ages between 18 and 20, my generation, they'll go and buy machines online and start tattooing their friends without any sort of artistic background whatsoever. Instead of spending that $100 or $180 or whatever, how much they are, and buying a whole set of Prismacolors and just going at it, or a whole case of Liquitex acrylic paints and going at it, canvases, pencils, like that's what you should be investing in. Well, and beyond that, they're probably not investing in what I think if at the bare minimum, if you were going to have licensure or regulation, it's about public safety. So they're definitely not invested in the bloodborne pathogen awareness that we have and cross-contamination and PPE materials. Yeah. And that's the other thing is that um, I've been asked by, by parents. And this is another thing that, by the way, if, if there's any parents here that are like, how do I get my kid in tattooing? One, I don't think you should want to do that. It's not that it's not that, um, uh, tattooing is bad profession. It's a great profession. It's a, an awesome yeah. profession, but, but you wanting your kid to be a tattoo artist, or you overly taking the reins of your child's professional career life and doing it for them. Absolutely. Not a great idea. Absolutely. Also they're like, what can I buy them to like get them into it? And it's just like Sketch here says canvases, get them art colors. supplies and art supplies and, are expensive. They're right. expe- They're just it's as expensive. expensive. <laughs> and that was my whole life, by the way, everyone, like for every Christmas, for everything that I got, I had art supplies. I have so much art supplies. It's coming out of my ears. Like I yeah. have a whole basement full of art supplies of repetitive like kinds I'll forget that I have an ink set that I have that I have so much so like art supplies sketch pads paper grassroots stuff if they don't love sitting down and doing that shit all the time 
they're not going to be a tattoo artist. Absolutely. They're not going to want to do it. If you give them those tools and they shut up for hours and they're out of your hair and they're just constantly wanting. I mean, I argued with my parents when we went to Italy and they wanted to do all the touristy stuff, which was cool and everything. All I wanted to do was sit there and do a painting. If you can go to a place like Italy and stand up to your family and say, absolutely not come hell or high water. I am doing a fucking painting while I'm here. Sorry for cursing if that bothers anybody, (laughs) but I like to curse. I'm a very like, I don't know. I like it. It's spicy. Um, I'm doing a painting and I sat there against everybody's approval and I did a painting for a day and then they came back, they gloated. They're like, you missed so many things. I said, well, you missed so many things. And more than that, you don't have a painting to show for your time. Whereas I do that I get to keep forever. This was a part of what I wanted to experience here. Yeah. And I've said it a bunch of times too, as far as, you know, making it very clear once again to the younger generation that's looking at, you know, Instagram all the time and Facebook all the time and are seeing tattooers like, yeah, we're pretty cool and everything. But, you know, I've said it to Amy that I'm not cool. The amount of time, (laughs) the amount of time that we are tattooing compared to the amount of time that we're like drawing, doing art is just like, there's a vast difference. Yeah. So like I'm tattooing like this amount of time and, but I'm drawing and painting and doing color pencils and homework like this amount Mm -hmm. of time. So that's the shift of mentality that needs to happen with these apprentices because and I'm speaking from experience. I don't think that I didn't do this because I'm just saving you the trauma that I had to go through of my own mentality of my early years of not even being able to draw and being surrounded by these artists that were just pumping out just ridiculous compositions. I'm over here like, man, I can't even make well, a sphere. <laughs> and to circle back to something that you had said too. You had all these art notions of what you wanted to do. What I've loved about tattooing too, and what I've found later in my career is that tattooing incorporates a lot of diversified art forms in itself to where, you know, and people knowledge to where if you wanted to go into another career that is more involved in a different way in tattooing, there is photography, there is design, there is graphic pigments, there is, there is the Instagram video, there is social media marketing, there is all these things that get wrapped into our profession that we just kind of do because it's a part of, of the job. It is a cool job. I'm not cool, but the job is cool. That's what I saw as it was foundational to anything else I wanted to do. And, and also it's intriguing enough to people that you catch a crowd because instead of doing your art on an, an object that's outside of you and hoping that it's going to sell, you're selling, you know, something on a person that they get to wear forever. So you're creating a crowd as you go. So that if you do branch out later to other art, you already have a client list. You already have people who have invested their time, their body, their skin, their emotionality, their everything, their trust in you. And from there, you have a platform that you can go from and you can explore other art forms after that. Absolutely. That's the other reason why you keep investing in the art though, Yeah. because that is the foundation of it all. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great point to make. And another point to about focusing on the art aspect of it is that 
you know, your mentor's job is to teach you the tattooing part. That's your mentor's job. Yes. Your job is to be consistent with your artistry to make it easier for him or her to teach you the, the tattooing, because I'm not even joking when they'll teach you like line work or shading or anything like that, they'll refer to other mediums. Like, okay, right now you're going to be doing like colored pencil circle motions right now. And if you're like, I don't know, (laughs) it's going to have a very tough time. Trust me. I know. And it's the same thing with like, okay, you know what a filbert brush is. That's what a curved mag is like. And Mm -hmm. they're like, well, what's, what's a filbert brush. Right. And you're like, Oh my God. Right. So if you make it less struggle for your mentor, you're going to, in the apprenticeship less you're going to learn way more and absorb way more information that you're able to take on because you already know the basic fundamentals of these mediums and at the same time you're going to shoot yourself into the sky farther than any other apprentice because you already have a background of knowledge before even entering the tattoo shop and that's very important i wish i i knew that and i'm lucky that i had a mentor that was able to take his time to teach me fundamentals of drawing to the point where I'm comfortable being in any medium and at the same time teach me how to tattoo with the fundamentals there as well so it's it doesn't always happen that way and if you really want to set yourself on the right path focus on the artist artistic side of it rather than the tattooing side of it because that's their job to teach you your job now is to be an artist plus I feel like there is so much access to folks because art as a profession, just like art as a teaching medium and everything like that is something that has been choreographed um, a lot. Um, the tattoo profession, I feel like because it's, it is about the art, but it's also about crafting a clientele and a style that's not necessarily artistic, but is about the kind of people you draw to you. That's a part of it. Um, art in itself though, is something you can access now a lot more than you could before. Like I went to formal education to give me a lot of art and I, and I did a lot of seminars. I did as, as an eight-year-old kid, I, I would meet and do art classes. My parents would have me do art classes. I was doing like charcoal still lives at like eight years old with a whole group yeah. of adults around and shit. Like, yeah. Now that you mentioned that, I didn't, cause the first thing my yeah. mentor had me buy was an iPad. He's yeah. like, you're going to get an iPad. And that wasn't accessible to you when no. you were, you know, an apprentice. So no. it's, that's already a vast difference of, you know, taking on a pr- apprentices and teach, you know, putting them on a different path. And another a connotation is teaching apprentices either with rotaries or coils. And that's a huge like conundrum that's happening right now in the industry is that there's a big like upset of, you know, apprentices learning off of rotaries and you'd like, not going to lie. Like it's great. Absolutely great to learn coils. I love coils. Like the boys that I listen to and t- are my mentors now they're like, nah, man, rotaries. Let's teach you the techniques now. So that way, when you want to play with coils, you already know the bare fundamentals of technique and you can not stress yourself out over doing terrible tattoos. So, well, and the freedom person in me. So this is, so an ideology of mine is, is very freedom and not a resilient. And it probably comes from a place of defensiveness. I'm going to be honest. Um, but I like to picture things if, 
if I had X removed, could I still operate? Yeah. And so that's the beautiful thing about knowing about coil machines and different kind of mechanics of what you do. Like, yeah. Is that you have more tools, you have more arsenal to give. And you also have something to stand behind as far as, because in the back of your mind constantly, as you go throughout your career, you're going to sit there and go, am I worthy? There's a lot of imposter syndrome that comes around as you get older. But when you really track back the things that you know, and the things that you've invested time in, you can stand there and feel good about where you are when you've invested time in certain things. Um, I don't know the most about coils, but I started with them. I didn't have an option beyond starting with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Once again, Um, you you didn't have rotaries. Right. And um, I, I would say that it it is per uh, educator as to what list of tools you're going to start with. And it's also very based on like what your art style is. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I think that that's a good mentor is not necessarily going to default to everything um, that has ever been. I think they're going to look at you and kind of see what you need. Yeah. Um, and everyone's different. Um, there are some people who are just grassroots as hell. And I think that's just about building confidence. Like I said, it's about when you eventually arrive to the point of where you get to work on skin, you're super confident. You're super excited. You're not doubting yourself. I did that to my apprentice. I think I got her doing a lot of that stuff before, she was really confident in herself about it. And I was like, ah, it's fine. You know, it'll be all right. And I, I think that if she had had more time investing in other things, which I, I honestly, guys, I just didn't have any interest in, I defaulted to the tools that were available to me. And I always have, I've always seen it as you give me a tool, I'll figure it out and I'll make art with it. I don't care if I burn a stick, I'll start scratching something in the sand, you know, or on the pavement, I'll make art out of anything you give me and I'll hack it. Absolutely. But there's people I feel like that get anxiety about the end product or they get anxiety about just doing it. They get, they get performance anxiety, especially if there's another person there, which is another thing. I'll say this about being in the beauty industry as a foundation for myself. One, always looking in mirrors, like mirroring, is huge. And not only, I think as an artist, as a creative, it's about being seen. It's about being prepared to be seen. It's about constantly evaluating yourself. It's about, um, just trying not to be hypocritical as best as you can. I definitely have hypocrisy about me because I'm human, but like an effort to try and constantly confront confront, confront. And it's the same in communication too. Mirroring techniques are super important. This is what you said. This is how I took it. Is that what you meant? Like those kind of things within what I learned doing hair was so fundamental. And, and then the client evaluation, like, like cultivating my crowd, realizing client relationships, us sitting to that together and confronting both of our wants together and having to hear all these things and, and perform for somebody. I got over that so much faster than a lot of people, just because instead of having to do a tattoo a day, or, you know, I guess at maximum, maybe like five, if you're doing like little, little jobbers, um, 
I had like 10 clients a day, some days and the heat of that doing a five minute consultation, washing their hair, making sure you make their dreams happen so that they can have four to six weeks where they're excited and thrilled about their hair. It's a ready performance constantly. And I can't be a jerk because my job was about client retention not about a one-time performance. They're going to be back every six to eight weeks because hair grows back. So you would think that makes it easier, but no, 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 because I have to actually gain a clientele. My portfolio was my book, my Mm. clients, the people that if I move from another hair salon, I had to bring a book of people. That's where my value was. So understanding client cultivation and that kind of thing was very essential. And I got over that a lot faster that I think I kind of didn't really realize that um, within, you know, uh, educating someone else about like that anxiety that you get right before you're about. And I, and I also had always sat and drawn drone. What, what's the past? Drawer. Drawer. Um, <laughs> I always sat and drew and people were always hovering around me and they were always asking me questions. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't get away from, from it if I had tried. So I just didn't try. And I had, I had very critical parents, um, particularly my mother. So to have a constant critique, you should always want that. You should find yeah. a comfort in that space. Absolutely. Anyway. Be, you know, that was one thing that my mentor had always said to me from like the beginning of time till, you know, I could still hear it in my head now is that, you know, be c- consistent with your failure and understand that, you know, to be a wise person, you have to be okay being shown as a fool first, because, you know, without that process of it, then, you know, you're not going to really get far and if you're not okay with criticism if you're not okay with another artist coming up to to you and be like hey man you should probably do it this way and then if you immediately get irate and you know you're you're not going to go anywhere anywhere um it's going to stunt your growth so far it's going to you know potentially ruin your career if that's the mentality that you consistently have just be okay knowing like hey man i'm not great like i i'm not great you're I'm not, I'm not great. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe some people think I'm great, but that's the yeah, thing, right? Art, them, art is subjective. Yeah. Let them think that. Yeah. That's and the then point. I'll be over here and be like, Oh, right. thank you. But I'm still, growing. I'm going to have that critic. And that's the thing is when you get enough critique and when you become comfortable in a space of critique, then it's a program that kind of runs in through your own mind. So you can start yeah. answering these questions for yourself. And then, and then you'll graduate to higher critics and yeah. you'll seek out people that you at, at the very least perceive as better than you. And there are a lot of things that people are better at um, that you can go to. If like you want to diversify your talent and you want to learn something or a technique specific, then you can go and you can ask those questions and resubmit yourself. And then again, drill in your mind, reprogram, yeah. heighten, heighten the judge, your yeah. internal judge that you have. Um, and that's super important. Yeah. If you walk into it going like, I don't want to be judged. I just want to do my art for me. Well, do your art for you then. Yeah. Don't be a tattoo artist. Um, because because you're doing your work for everybody. Yeah. It's a commercial yeah. profession, you so, know? Yeah, absolutely. And understand that, you know, once again, tattooing isn't always the end result. And truthfully, and we can kind of segment into this, that you know, your body's going to start breaking down after a while. Like you're, you know, 
Yeah, I we were remember, going over Posture the whole time. Yeah, well, I remember like my the first tattoo I did when I was licensed. I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna do like this nine hour leg. I can't wait. And I sat there for the whole like ten hours just tattooing away. And I went home and I was like, I didn't know my elbows could hurt this bad. <laughs> I didn't know like all in here could hurt so bad. Like my shoulders, like my posture, your neck, your wrists, your fingers, like they're going to break down on you after a while. So un- unfortunately, tattooing can't always be the retirement goal of it. You should build yourself as an artist. So that way you can sell paintings, sell colored pencil portraits, pet portraits, family portraits, build yourself as a digital artist t-shirts like that is your end result is your marketing is your name as an artist not so much as a tattooer tattooers you know are unfortunately like a young man's game and the people that are in there that have been doing it for decades and decades are going to tell you as well like man this is getting rough (laughs) well and you should think about how you want to get old within it i think it's really good to and there's many other things you can do in it besides tattooing you can teach teaching machine build you can own a studio studio, you can you know and that's the thing is that like you can dreamscape and craft other things within the profession that that escalate as you go on and it's also important to be smart at first because as this this profession stands there's lots of different ways that people run their studios but in a whole there's very few shops that offer paid time off sick pay benefits yeah (laughs) like um social security you know like all these things that regular but it's rare you know when you decide you know as you as you choose one thing you give up another and that's always how energy works in this world You, you sacrifice one for the other if you don't want a nine to five job there, there is, there is something there that you have to be very aware of the business side of it yes. too. And make sure you're savvy. Like I said, going into my first apprenticeship, I didn't ask a lot of questions that I should have around the business yes. to then keep me there long-term. Once those things became in focus, I was like, Oh no, 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 I can't stay here. Now, had I asked those questions right up front, yeah. I probably could have stayed for a very long time and, and created a relationship with that studio. But once I became aware of the dynamic within that, I was like, Oh no, I, I, I can't stay here. Yeah. And I, and it hurt a lot of feelings because everybody had become attached. And that was something I was saying to Kira, if I could recommend a book, it's not about tattooing. It's not about art. It's about communication. And um, there's a little bit of like a spiritual, I wouldn't say it's like religious. There's like a spiritual observance in there that comes from like an Aztec um, philosophy of looking at things. Um, But it's called the four agreements. It's really, really good. And it teaches you, I feel like the best. And there's also another one that's like the fifth agreement, but um, that he wrote as well. His name is Don Miguel Ruiz. And um, it teaches, I think, a really good mindset about how to have really good client re- relationships. That mirroring technique technique is spoken of. I mean, he calls it the smoky mirror, but it's basically like what divides you between another person and making sure that you get clear. One of the biggest ones in there, at least that I found within a challenge of my apprentice, who's like, I think she's like eight years younger than me. So she's like your generation. Yeah. Um, was that she took a lot personally. And we talked about that earlier was that like, you, you really can't take it personally. I know yes. it's personal. It's hard to, it's, to not take it personally. It's you want to defend your artwork. Right. You want to. 
but it's it's that time and place time and place right in front of your mentor or right in front of somebody that's generally wanting to help you and guide you into a better perspective not the time right not the time um and you probably won't get their help again which is not a good thing either yeah um and i think that's what technology does now for apprentices that they give you know the younger generation such a high ego before even entering an apprenticeship of just like yeah man i'm on the shit i can make like maybe a straight line that's about it but i'm like the best at tattooing and i don't need your help i don't need anybody's help i just need you to give me the machine and license me i think (laughs) i think (laughs) like i'll just post on instagram and i get like 400 likes like i don't understand why you think i'm bad at this that's the rough part about this whole generation and, you know, Instagram and Facebook and everything like that, they have their benefits in this industry. They really do. Like, it's the way to network yourself if you're when you're ready. It's the way to meet other artists. It's how I've traveled within this past year alone to so many different states, so many different people and learned so many different things on my own dime. Just because I know that I am not where I want to be and I never will be until I die. So, um <laughs> That's, that's the dream anyway. Yeah, that's, you know, never stop understanding that you're always going to be growing. You're always going to be learning. And the minute that you tell yourself, all right, I, I'm good. I think I'm good is when it's you stop your growth. Yeah. And that is not the point of this industry is you're consistently growing. Um, and it's that's the you it, should love it, man. Yeah. Like, why would you choose? I just don't understand anybody who would choose this as a profession without a sincere yeah. joy and love for it because it's really hard folks like it's yeah. really fucking hard and uh, I, yeah, yeah absolutely. Go ahead. <laughs> and I, I, think, I think it's important to note too what it means to put yourself out there too early on social media uh on understanding that social media doesn't mean as a tattooer and an artist it doesn't mean that i'm drawing an image finalizing it putting it on instagram and that's how i do it no I, it's the same principle as tattooing. The amount of work that I do and the amount of work that I put on social media, vastly different. Like I'm drawing all the time, napkins at the bar, just paper laying around at my day job that I do, I do on scrap pieces of paper. That's not going on Instagram. That's going in the trash, in the recycling to this stranger. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Well, the social media part shouldn't matter so much only for marketing yourself for your style yes. and what you want to do for tattoos and how you want to be as, as an artist. Well, and in the beginning, you know, going back to apprenticeship, um, I feel like there there is a phase of how you utilize technology. So putting yourself, you said like putting yourself out there too early. I feel like um, it's, it's, it's kind of like a, a temperance thing. So uh, if you are like me, who my apprenticeship is in podcasting. So right now. So my whole thing with podcasting is crafting a story where I'm sharing my failures and I'm sharing the story as I go and letting people, my portfolio online is something where I'm showing people a progression because it's the nature of the thing that I'm putting out. Whereas when it comes to, uh, apprenticeship in the beginning, you need to look at your Instagram or the things that you put online as something that when you hit up a tattoo studio or a uh, tattoo artist to ask for an apprenticeship, what's out there has been choreographed enough in the beginning so that you have really good optics. Um, 
you know, like put up your best work. You know, if, if there is what represents you a hundred things that you have done, pick out the best 10 yeah, and put those out there because that's going to be what zing somebody. Because the last thing that somebody wants to ever hear with a portfolio is why did you put this in here? And yeah. if you don't have a good answer, you're like, Oh, I was just filling space. That's not an acceptable answer. Yeah. Put in the things that you're like, oh, I feel like it really showcased my ability to use X or yeah. do this or showcase this. And this is um, another facet of my diversification of what I can do um, and segregate it too. like, I feel like, you know, so this is a whole thing in the tattoo industry is like, you know, I have a whole modeling page. I have a podcast page. I have my tattoo page. And I have a studio page. I have four different Instagram accounts with four different objectives and observations. So I think you have to be decisive because I like to see like maybe a photo of a person when they have a portfolio page. Like I kind of like to see a little bit of their humanity and a little bit of their style and Mm -hmm. them. But I also want to see the majority. If it's an art page, I want art. I want yeah. art, 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 over, 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 like over, over. Seal. Yes. Um, I think that when you get older within it, um, it becomes something that's both um, showcasing a little bit of you and a little bit of your art just because people end yeah. up buying your brand, but not in the beginning. In the beginning, nobody gives a fuck about who you are. Thanks. They want to know that you're a good artist. They'll meet you. They'll decide upon meeting you, whether or not they like your vibe Absolutely. or whatever. But just seeing a photo or just whatever you got to be really careful about what kind of things you're branding about yourself right up front. And if what you want to be known for is your art, make sure that's the thing that people see. Yeah. And do you think as, since you've had apprentices and you have one now, would you rather if, you know, like a young artist, like an 18 year old came up to you in your shop, would you rather than have a digital portfolio or a hand portfolio with a binder and like laminates and what would you want to see in there? Digital work, like everything, um, you know, the digital, I'm not so attached to, I, I want to see a little bit of digital. I want to see that they're not a- adverse to the tools. I want to see that they're willing to take on those tool sets and kind of geek out about it and explore them. But that's just, that's just like another medium to me. Yeah. I want to see a diverse medium portfolio of where you have taken on art as a passion, as a pursuit Um, My teacher used to always say, um, you should be process oriented and not product bound. So when I see something, I want to see, I want to see completed works. Don't, don't show your sketches. No work in progress. No No sketches. No work in progress. Make it clean, make it well presented, make it congruent. Um, You know, if you are going to bring original art pieces, put it in a nice like container so yeah. that you're not like coming with things. Yep. Yeah. Like thrown Image over your shoulder. Awesome. Exactly. Like make sure you're presenting it with care. Yeah. Um, I like to see that there is um, a, con- a consistent, I like seeing for myself, this is just myself. I like to see a consistent hand in it. Mm-hmm. So 
not that there's a style, but that I can see that this person has a signature before they even know they have one, like a way of seeing things that I feel like could be very them. When I took on my apprentice, I actually bought her art before she was a full-fledged artist doing art shows. She, she taught art. She has a master's in teaching and she taught um, middle school art as an art teacher. So she had a super rich portfolio and she had this awesome style yeah. that was I saw was very unique and I saw I could give her a, a profession in art and she could just go with it. Not that yeah. I had any attachment to what she did with that, but I saw the passion that she was already trying to sell her art. She was Absolutely. already moving towards those things. So when you confront that world already, you learn, have a clean portfolio, have, have something that kind of showcases you, know how to talk about your art. Absolutely. It's more than just what I'm seeing. It's what I'm hearing from the person. Like if I ask a question, do they even know how to talk about what they do? Because yes, they got to be able to talk about it. Like, how are you going to sell yourself? If you don't, right. If you don't know how to talk about what you do and you don't know how to catch people to your vibe, if you understand what you're doing and how to talk about it, I don't even care if it's bullshit. Um, <laughs> you know, like people buy because of an emotional connection to something. Mm -hmm. So if you can catch them to your vibe and you can choreograph how you speak about what you, what you do, then that's really essential too. making yeah. eye contact, having a good handshake, you know, not being caged, you know, like all of those things. That's what I look for in a person. Are they like, yes, I'm here. Like other, are they putting things on the wall? Are they, are they kind of standing out as a person just in general, because they're asking for the universe to bestow on them something that they're really trying to put out there. So it's, it's the whole package really yeah. like, uh, but like you said, I don't want to see half-assed work. I don't yeah. want to see your practice. That's for you. That's and if fine. You don't have enough work to put in there yes. and all you have is sketches, then you, you're not ready for the no. ship. No, you're not ready on it, it's the, uh, it's a tough thing to say that, but you have to admit it to yourself because you're just going to set yourself up for some grave failure. And um, so if, if you are ready for a portfolio, you do have strong work in there. You are ready to go. Got the thing pat pending, got your name slapped on it. Nowadays, what I did, I got, I was a little easy because I got word of mouth. So like a friend of mine was just there. So I, the way that I got into the industry was, you know, pretty easy, but it's not that easy for others, especially if you don't live in such a dense area like I do, where there's, you could spit at the next shop from one shop to the other. So um, for those people that don't have a lot of shops in their town, um, it just, I think it'd be best to just either get tattooed by other shops, yes. build relationships before yes. even showing your artwork. Yes. Hey, can I change your trash? Yes. Yeah, man. I, if any apprentice came in in my later years and was just like, hey, man, can I just change your trash? I'd be like, yeah, you can change my trash. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can sweep my floor, too. And then the more you do that, the more you come back, I'd be like, oh, they actually are like wanting this. Yeah. So I might actually put my time and effort into it because you have to think about it this way. When you go to a tattooer that's been tattooing for 12 years, 15 years, 20 years, and you want to learn off of them, you have to understand that they are now considering 
taking the last 12 years of blood, sweat, and tears and just giving it to you. So you have to understand their perspective of this. And they're not always going to be like, yeah, man, like, let's do this today. You barely tried. Let's do this. You have to show effort and persistence through this industry to get anywhere. But the key is, is that the effort and persistence is all it takes. Really. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. And I think that's a good way. I mean, you bring up to get tattooed too, because one, you're learning about yourself by getting tattooed. I know that was in my second apprenticeship, a, um, a point that kind of got me in the door is that yeah. I, I went in for an apprenticeship. I didn't get it right away. Just so everybody knows, like he wasn't in a position where he was ready to hire somebody. He was, I mean, in, in fact, most of um, my former mentors life, he really, he really didn't like the idea of teaching somebody. I feel like it was something that he really wasn't yeah. So well, keen on that old school mentality too. Well, like this is mine, nobody else's. How dare you be in my industry kind of thing. I mean, I think it was less that. And I think it was just like, it's a lot. It's, yeah. a, it's a lot of energy. Like I oh, think yeah, having an apprentice, I'm sure. Yeah. It's like I, having a child that's right. like, at work with you all the time. And I think it's about an accountability thing of wanting to make sure. I think for him, it was less of a denial kind of thing and of access and more of just like, cause he was a very, I think, accountable person. I yeah. think he didn't like to over promise and under deliver. So, um, I think it was more that, and he had a full shop at that point. And I feel like he was at a place where, you know, it, it just wasn't something he could see a need to be fulfilled. So why would he? Yes. And 